Hey everyone, welcome to episode 28 of Solving Problems with Jonathan and Kyler, where we talk about the real communication problems your church is facing and give you practical tips to solve them. My name is Jonathan Carone, and we're joined as always by Kyler Nixon. Today's episode is all about why people in your church aren't serving and the ways we unsuccessfully try to get them to sign up. And you might be thinking that serving and communications aren't related, but in reality, everything is related to communication. So today we're going to talk about some of the uh, things that we do that aren't the best in terms of how we communicate serving. So Kyler, I know you just went through a great serving push at the church you attend, and we're going to talk about a little bit about that, why it was so successful in the end, but can you give the people the three big ideas of why people in their church aren't serving? We'll kind of go back to the roots here, right? Like we haven't touched on it a ton this season, um, but we, Jonathan and I are both story brand guides. So we take a lot of churches through this process of creating clear messaging around um, the story brand framework created by Donald Miller. So if you're not familiar with that, take a minute and, and you know, go check out the book on Amazon or, you know, watch a video online. But um, there are three big reasons that we've identified and it, a lot of them point back to our messaging. Um, and then ultimately the messaging is kind of reflective of human behavior. So the first reason is simply this, you never asked them to, right? Like there was no call to action. <laughs> like you're on stage saying we have all these cool opportunities to serve and thanks, right? Like there's no, there's no ask, like there's no clear ask. Um, and churches make the mistake here, like I said, of one, no, no ask, but then, uh, two, they make their, asks too vague, right? Like, I don't know that you're, you're kind of like asking me, but in like a weird roundabout way. So that's the first thing is just simply, you never ask them to serve. Um, the second is that you gave them too many places or opportunities to serve, right? So they, you've identified too many wants for that character, for that person, right? Like there's too many things and too many places and too many needs that they, um, ultimately feel like they can't fill all of those things. And so they end up just not serving at all. Um, Trader Joe's is a great example of a store that does this well, uh, does like they kind of solve this problem. It's like when you go into Trader Joe's, you have like two or three options for every single product. When you go to Walmart, you have 50 options for every product. Trader Joe's is successful because they've removed all of the choices, right? Like they say, here's your options and you need to make a decision between one of these things. So um, that's number two is that you've given them too many places to serve. Uh, number three is that you've made it too hard for them to serve. And I don't mean that the situation around like the opportunity is too challenging or anything like that. I just mean that you haven't made it clear to them the process for getting plugged in. Not that you didn't you know, ask them or whatever, but they have to go to a volunteer training meeting and then they have to sign this waiver and then they have to come once a week and commit to serving for you know three services once a week and you know all these other things. You've made it way too challenging for them. And as a result, um, they are not going to serve or you haven't made it clear what that process even looks like. So they know that they need to sign up, but then what's next? Like, what do I do after that? You haven't given them in the story brand framework, a process plan um, and a plan to move forward with you. So those are your three, three biggest mistakes that reasons uh, and reasons people aren't serving. One, you never asked them to, two, you gave them too many places uh, to serve. And number three, you made it too hard for them. So let's jump into that first idea and just go a little deeper with the you never ask them to idea. One of the things that I think is a caveat of the you never asked is you ask the wrong way. And so we end up guilting people into serving because we make things feel like they're a burden and not an opportunity. Um, we do that a lot of times by we talk about how the church needs help with this. 
we need you to do this. And there are times when you absolutely 100% have to frame it that way. Your kids ministry is exploding and you need new people. So like, it's gotta be, Hey, we need your help. Yeah. But most of the time, if we look at how humans are wired, they think what's in it for me. And when we do ask the wrong way we're asking is by saying is by making it about serving the church, not thinking what the, what's in it for me. How are we helping our attender fill their purpose instead of how are we helping the attender fill a role in our purpose? Right. Fill like fill their purpose or even um, make friends, build relationships. That's like in a large church, the way you're going to get to know people is by serving. So we don't ask on the front end. We just expect people to come in and tell them, Hey, part of what we do is we belong, become, become, belong, serve, or whatever the churchy statement that we do is. And we expect people to show up. But then if we do even ask, like we do it wrong so much. Yeah, we do. I, I think the other kind of with that, you know, I'm, I tend to be a little bit more like on the practical side of like some of these things, but, um, I think that with that, one of the things that one of the mistakes that churches make when it comes to asking is that they keep, they might ask clearly like, Hey, we need you to serve. Right. But then they don't quantify what that looks like. Right. So, um, they might say, you know, maybe it's kids ministry and you need five people to serve in your kids ministry once a month or whatever. Well, tell them that, right? Like, Hey, we need, we need five volunteers who can fill this role once per month and just make it easy for them to kind of understand like this is what we're asking of you on that on that note uh one of the most successful serving campaigns i've been a part of we were opening a new venue at the church that i worked at and i think i've explained this before but we were multi-venue not multi-site so we had um at the time we had two venues under the same roof we were opening a third um So our rooms, the biggest one was like 500, 600 people. This room was going to be really small, could fit 200 at most. Uh, But what we did was we asked for people to commit to that venue for six weeks. Like we need, we need a hundred people to commit to this service for six weeks. And then if after six weeks, it's not your thing, then sure, go, go to one of the other venues. That's fine. But to help us start this, to have critical mass, we need a hundred people to commit to six weeks of going to this venue. And we ended up having like 130, 140 people who committed, which as you know, if you're in the church world, people only come about every two weeks. So that ended up giving us what we needed for that service. But it's because we gave them a clear ask. We told them a duration. This isn't, we're not asking for a lifetime commitment here. We're asking for six weeks. And we said how many people we needed. Yeah, for sure. Well, when you frame it that way too, you're able to identify a different problem and that's that people are busy, right? Like maybe you need help during the holiday season. Like we are, our, you know, paid staff members during Christmas focus on other things. And so we need some volunteers to carry the load on a Sunday, but just during the Christmas season, like, Hey, if you can commit from November 15th to January 1st, you know, that's, that's what we need. And then people who are busy can say, Oh, I can, I can do that. You know, I can commit to that. And we, you know, we've talked about this in the past, but like small groups too, same, same concept. Like I struggle with small groups that are open-ended, like they just have no start and no end. They just exist like forever. Right. And that, that small group will probably like continue on into eternity. Well, 
we have to like quantify a start and an end, right? Like when is the start? When does it end? And the same thing happens for serving. We need to say, when does this serving opportunity start? And when does the serving opportunity end? So I know that if this isn't the right fit for me, then I have an easy off ramp as well. So while that was supposed to be us talking about not asking them to serve, I think just as bad is what we're, we're asking in a bad way, which asking in a bad way can be just as debilitating as not asking in the first place. Yeah. So I think those two really do go hand in hand together. The next thing that we talk about is we give them too many places to serve. And one of the things I always tell the churches and businesses I work with is that there's never been a New York a choose your own adventure novel, make the New York times bestselling list because people, I assume that I just, I, I say that, fact. but I, we'll just it's say pro- things as they're true it, here. It's, it's probably true. <laughs> yeah. um, but the reason is because people need to tell us, we, people need us to tell them what we need them to do. We need to tell them what it looks like. And it, we kind of hit on that in the last little piece, but when we give people too many options, it's like, well, do I do this or do I do that or do I do this? And so what a lot of times churches do is it's like, all right, we want to serve on the worship team. And then we list every single position within the worship team, including handbells at Christmas and God only knows what else. When really we just need musicians. If you just said musicians, then people can contact you for more. Maybe they don't fit in the style of your church with their instrument. Maybe they're a tuba player and you don't have an orchestra you can have that conversation and actually pastor them and lead them instead of trying to make it too confusing on the front end. For sure. The, here's a good, good example of that. So in the business world, you, you've eaten at like cheesecake factory before, right? Unfortunately. So cheesecake factory menu is like massive. Like there's like 150 items on that menu and like probably a lot of them are pretty good and none of but, it's very good no none of it i feel good. like i, I like the, cheese, the cheesecake is, the that, cheesecake that is, is good that's true but like as a result i got like i for some reason i got like orange chicken the first time i ever went to cheesecake factory <laughs> and the menu stresses me out so much that i just get orange chicken every time i go like i've never actually like explored anything else on the menu well in contrast to that like I, here's my here's my how statement. often do you eat at cheesecake factory well, there was one in phoenix like it was like the college thing to do i don't know okay. I, I haven't gone for a while but um here, on contrast to that like and this is gonna be my hot take and you can send hate mail to jonathan for this if you want in and out uh one they're extremely overrated but um two they uh they have a really simple menu right so like you get up to the the counter you know exactly what you're gonna get like you have you choose your how many you know, patties you want on your burger, what toppings you want, if you want fries, what drink you want, right? Like really, really simple. And what both of those businesses um, do and their their different approaches to like their menu is that on the backside, in and out actually makes it easier on their team to handle that because there's not there's not all these things that they have to know and understand and have to process and they just know we got to make really good cheeseburgers, right? Well, like Cheesecake Factory, those poor like line cooks probably have to know how to make every single thing on that menu. The same thing happens in churches when we give people too many options for serving, it makes it harder on our staff too, right? Like they have to filter everybody out and figure out where do they go. And instead of just saying, we need people in this area, we need people in that area, they have to be experts at helping people find the little niche within that area or, you know, all the different opportunities that people have to navigate on a Sunday morning. No, that's really good. And to make a small in and out joke, just because I can, it says something that 
when you limit the options and make it easier on the customer, even if the food is mediocre, people still flock to it. And I don't know what that correlation is with churches, but it just says that if, when you make things easy, people are more likely to do it. When you make things more complicated. Yeah. As Don Miller says, right? Like the best products and services never win. Their products and services that win are the ones that are communicated the clearest. Yeah. And so when we're thinking through serving and serving opportunities, we have to think through like, how do we make this as easy as humanly possible for the people we're trying to reach? And that's going to change context to context. In some churches, that's going to be a pen and a paper. Some it's going to be texting something. Uh, the church that I go to, you don't even have an opportunity to start serving until you go through their assimilation process, which is a one weekend event. Um, but what they do is they point everyone to that event. You go through that event and they're in that event. They already know you're, um, you're interested. And so they can dive a little deeper. And after that event, they give you an area to uh, onboard and to, to seamlessly go into the next point of making it too hard for people. Um, I, and the church I attend, once you go to this event, we call it the weekender. It's a Friday night, Saturday morning. After that Saturday morning, you sign up for the area that you want to serve in. And the very next day, you meet up with a team lead at church after one of the services, and they give you all the information you need, and you actually get the shadow. And so right away, right after signing up, you meet someone the next day to shadow. They get you on a schedule so that you can actually schedule uh, shadow an entire service. And then from there, you start serving regularly. So it's a big ask on the front end of, hey, come to this entire weekend thing, but it's no extra trainings. It's no extra whatever. What it's makes just, better volunteers too, because they're already bought yeah. in. Yeah. Everyone knows exactly why they're there, what they're there for. We're all on the same page, but it's a very simple map to that they told us how they wanted us to, what they wanted us to do. We follow that map and then boom, we're able to get in. For sure. This is a good segue to like our, my church, you know, Jonathan mentioned this, they, and we've talked a little bit about this in other episodes, but uh, my church just ended a year end um, volunteer push. So church is going through some really cool growth and changes. And um, we had spent like six, six or seven months in a middle school while the church building was being renovated, like multi-million dollar project. Well, toward the end of the year, we got into the Chris, we got into the service or the space um, like a couple weeks before Christmas. And so with a new space comes like obviously new volunteer opportunities and just different things like that. Well, um, before we got into the space, the final, I think it was like four or six weeks, they did a series at church called Together. Um, and then every single service, they would, um, not that the points of the messages were necessarily about serving. I think one of them was serving and giving and, you know, all, all those different areas. But at one point in the service, they would highlight um, different ministries that needed serving opportunities. And sometimes they would join two together because obviously you can't cover like every ministry opportunity in you know, six weeks or whatever, but, um, I loved how they did it. So basically, you know, during announcement time, the ministry leader would come on stage or sometimes they would have a video that was pre-prepared. And then what they would tell people to do is they would say, if this is an area that you are interested in serving, we want you to take out your phone right now. We want you to text the word team to, you know, one, two, three, four, five or whatever. Um, right when that 
text got back, we would get a response that said, um, hey, thanks so much. We're so excited that you're interested in joining the team. Can you please respond with your email? Responded with our email. And then on Monday, we got an email from the ministry leader saying, hey, here's some opportunities within our ministry. Here's what your next step is. And here's what this ministry actually looks like. You know, and the next step was generally to, you know, attend a you know, like a, a meeting or whatever, just talking about the ministry more or whatever. And I just thought that was really streamlined, really, really easy to get involved. Like I could during church while I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like I remember what the video had said and kind of their, their pitch and all that type of stuff. And I was able to take my phone out and say, yeah, let's count me in. Right. And then the ministry leader could follow up with me um, later on in the week. And as a result, you're getting way more people serving because they made the plan really easy. They didn't give too many places to serve uh, on a Sunday and they asked, right? We need you to serve. Can you please take out your phone and text the word team to this number if you're interested? And a big piece of that is they did it right then. They didn't expect people to go home and then sign up on the website or something like that. Because if you let people out of the building, the chances of them actually doing what you asked them to do go down significantly. Yeah, no, I just, I just felt like it was really handled really, really well. And I think from a technology standpoint, it was easy for me, right? Like I didn't have to leave my seat. I didn't have to fill out a card. I didn't have to go to a ministry fair. I just texted four letters to this five, like I sent nine characters, <laughs> right? And like, all of a sudden I'm, I'm in their kind of funnel. And I know like from a logics, you know, logistics standpoint, like you can do all that stuff in planning center. You can build that out in your church management software, like all of those kind of pipelines um, for getting people on board. And I just felt like it was handled really, really well. And it's funny too, because I'm like just sitting there attending and I'm like, oh, that sounds awesome. And then I got home and I'm like, oh, they got me. Like, that's, what they, that's what they did. I was like, this is like, I signed up for some ministry I don't even care about. Like, it was just like so compelling at the moment. I'm like, but now I, I know, signed up, so I'm going to do it. They got me. They got me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The reason people in your church are not serving and the reason that your, your volunteer pushes aren't connecting as well is because you're either not asking them to serve or you're asking them poorly. You're giving them too many opportunities and too many places to serve, and you're making the on-ramp process too hard. Um, if you fix those things, chances are more people are going to serve. Uh, everything comes down to messaging, and if you get the messaging right, if you get the ask right, you're going to be able to motivate more people to jump in. But that's it for this week. Next week, we are going to be tackling the issue of why people are showing up late to your service. Again, it's one of those, it's like, does this really pertain to me if I'm in communications? And my argument is that, yes, absolutely, it does pertain to you because you're the person that can help all the other ministries do their things better uh, in a way that no one else can because church communications people are a special breed that are little ninjas that can do pretty much anything. Uh, <laughs> but that's it for this week. Kyler, how can people get in touch with you if they want to talk to you more? Yeah, you can find me at, at Kyler Creative on Instagram. I am at Jonathan underscore Carone on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, no one really wants to follow me on Facebook. so But if you do, it's Jonathan Carone on there. But that's it for this week. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. If this episode was good for you, uh, share it with a friend. Help us get the word out of everything that we're doing here so that we can hopefully help more people do church better. But we'll see you next week. I hope you have a great week. 